presents Bramley Moor 1914, starring Christopher Power, Ruben Clark, and Becky Kershaw. Episode 3 HMS Audacious. Having been transferred to the dock police, I took the opportunity to renew acquaintances with my family at the Goat Pub, home of the notorious Liverpool gang, the Irish Mob. I met my sister for the first time in over 30 years. However, my visit did not go without incident, and before leaving both myself and Constable Dancer, we were set upon and left badly bruised. The night ended with a mysterious stranger in a state carriage offering me a lift. It was an offer I couldn't refuse, especially as it appears the driver who knew my name had been looking for me. Dear, dear me, Sergeant Blue, you look awful. Perhaps a drop of brandy? <laughs> the gentleman presented me with a cut crystal glass and then, to my surprise, a fresh towel. I thanked him, took a mouthful of what was a very fine beverage, and proceeded to gingerly dab my bruises with the fresh linen. I might have expected you to be in a rather worse condition after a beating from the notorious Irish mob. <sighs> I was lucky. Oh, yes, very. They're renowned for their brutality, especially against representatives of His Majesty's government. I think it's fair to say there are few who are as lucky as you and your constable. <laughs> I believe they only wanted to teach me and my constable a lesson. Perhaps. Or perhaps your sister told her men to go easy on you. His revelation that he knew Lou was my sister stunned me. My surprised look amused my host. You think I didn't know, Sergeant? May I inquire your name, sir? Well, you may call me Major Parker. The Major allowed his revelations to sink in whilst he poured himself a brandy. After securing the bottle, he then signalled to his driver to proceed. <laughs> the carriage jolted, then picked up speed as the horses pulled their way across the cobbled dockyard. You have come to our attention, Sergeant. Well, that was never my intention, to draw attention to myself. <laughs> Liverpool is always difficult. We uh, struggle to find good men. Liverpool is full of good men, sir. Oh, well, uh, shall we say then, uh, honest men. So many people here have ties and affiliations. And who would we be, if I may ask? <laughs> we? Uh, well, we are, let's say, the people who tidy things up. Tidy things up? Uh, yes. It'll become clearer in time. Time? Time. How did you know? About your sister. Oh, old news. And your brothers, well, we know about them too. And then there's your father. Now, he's quite a character. Well, hold on. Perhaps you can share that information. In time, Sergeant. In time. 
For now, I require you to do a service for your country. I have signed my oath of allegiance. I will do my duty as a police officer. That is very admirable, Sergeant. But what I'm asking you to do is above and beyond any oath of allegiance. What I'm asking you to do are acts that may cross the line. And on whose behalf will I be carrying out these um, acts? A king and country, obviously. I am loyal to my king. Will do what is required to protect my country. Ah, spoken like a true Englishman. And I suspect a man who reads the news. I'm aware that forces outside of this country are set on war. I knew we were correct in our assessment of you. Major Parker, without asking, popped up my glass. Now, Sergeant, I am aware of your circumstances and your fractured relationship with your family. Well, that is a private matter, sir. It must remain that way. Well, unfortunately, you and your family are an important thread in resolving a most imperative matter. Up until today... I had not met my sister in, what, over 30 years. And the same would apply to your father and brothers. That is correct. Well, we will have to see how we can reconcile this matter. Major Parker, a reconciliation with my family is not and will not be my intention. Ah, but my... Dear Bewley, you've just told me your duty is to uphold your oath to king and country. And I will, sir, but not to my... Don't think of it as part of your duty. The Major let his request sink in before he continued. In three days' time, HMS Audacious, a dreadnought of His Majesty's Atlantic Fleet, will be arriving at Bramley Moor Dock. It's a short visit, you know, to, to refuel and replenish... After leaving Liverpool, it will join the Northern Fleet, who have orders to prevent the German High Command from breaking out of its North Atlantic ports. This action, if it has not already started, would be considered an act of war. I realise that by doing this, we may preempt further actions in Europe, but we are aware of the Kaiser's intent, and despite his denials... We are preparing for war within the next few months. I realise Major Parker was entrusting in me a great national secret, one that could place the country and myself in great danger should it be disclosed. Before I could reflect on the magnitude of this revelation, Major Parker continued. A a land war in Europe would be a difficult enough. I mean, fighting the Kaiser on both land and sea may be impossible. It is therefore imperative that our actions in the North Atlantic are a success. I nodded, but kept my counsel. We then have a far more serious problem closer to home. Ah. Um, What would that be, sir? The Irish problem. Our friends across the Irish Sea are keener than ever on independence. Mr. de Valera seems keen to ingratiate himself with the Kaiser and has put his forces at the Germans' disposal. 
Uh, those forces include your friends, the Irish mob. Yes, it's something I have long expected. Well, our naval intentions are well known to our enemies. They aim to use any means at their disposal to stop us. How are they planning to do that, sir? Well, they plan to blow up HMS Audacious whilst in port here at Bramley Moor. Then it is my duty to stop them. I was hoping that you would say that. Do we know who these terrorists are? Well, what we know is that the German general staff have long wanted to see one of our dreadnoughts at close quarters. They're particularly interested in the secrets of our larger battled guns. They would like one of their agents to get aboard Audacious and, after recording details, destroy the ship in port. I was surprised at how much information the Major already had. I considered who might be his source. If you know so much, then why not reroute Audacious to a safer port? Hmm. Do you know anything about rats, Sergeant? Well, I know the docks are infested with them. You kill one and another pops up. Bigger, stronger and wiser. We can't avoid the problem. Liverpool, present company accepted, has more than its fair share of rats. We need to reduce that number. We need to find the nest and cause our opponents as much damage as possible. And how do you intend to do that? Oh, no, Sergeant. The question should be, how do you intend to do that? I was shocked. The Major had set me what seemed to be a very difficult task. Liverpool is a hub for terrorists and extremists. We believe that senior members of the Irish mob have been sent here to assist Germany's spies to carry out a mission. To first board audacious, make detailed plans, and in a final act, destroy the ship. Your mission is to foil their plan and create an accident where all parties who attempted the plot are killed. You said uh, an, an accident? This, Sergeant, is imperative. If there is any suggestion that the Irish mob had been infiltrated or that we knew of their plans, there could be serious consequences for our own agents working within the group. These Irishmen, do you know who they are? Well, well, all we really know is that Mr. de Valera and the Irish Liberation Army have given this mission their highest priority. Such is the size of the ship that the traditional hand grenade or pipe bomb would have no effect. The explosives required need to be expertly placed to have any effect, and that is why they have assigned their top bomb makers the task of delivering, planting, and then destroying HMS Audacious. Those bomb makers and their cohorts cannot be allowed to succeed or survive. There were so many questions I wished to ask, but I was so surprised by the scale of my mission, I didn't know where to begin. 
For security reasons, you and I shall meet infrequently. We do have a contact in the city. We'll be able to visit them this afternoon, and they will provide you with all the information we have. They will be your point of contact, and where you may contact us in an emergency. Major Parker handed me a slip of paper with a name and address written on it. I was shocked when I read the name. He told me to memorize and destroy the paper. The coach came to a halt. I drew back the curtain and saw we were in a side street opposite the Bridewell. Home, I believe, Sergeant Pewley. I rose to leave. I felt a hand on my arm. These criminals can do great harm to our country. There will be a war on land and sea. Many will play their part. Your war, Sergeant Bewley, will be unlike anyone else's. Yours will be a secret war. Your opponents will not wear uniforms and they will not play by the rules. These will be our most difficult opponents. They will trick, lie and deceive to achieve their goals. In short, you will be playing the most dangerous of games. His Majesty's government are placing a great deal of trust in your abilities. Without being able to acknowledge you are actually a player, our enemies must be stopped at any cost. I understand, sir. Good luck, Sergeant. And thank you, sir. I left the coach and watched as it pulled away heading towards the city. It wasn't long before it was out of sight, swallowed up by the crowds making their way along the dock road. I stood and considered my daunting task for a second before entering the police station. Ah, here he is. You have us worried. And why is that, Sergeant? Date of young dancer there. Said you'd been in the ghost. Uh, well, I, I, I fancied a beer. Ah, oh, so you chose the goat. You must be mad. <laughs> that has been said. Talking of mad, Superintendent O'Toole wants to see you as soon as you come in. A word of warning, he's not happy. Oh, is he ever happy? <laughs> I was about to go and find Dancer and check on his welfare when I heard my name being called by Superintendent O'Toole. Yuli, get your useless ass in here. Dancer would have to wait. What did I say? Would you like to refresh my memory, sir? I said, keep your nose clean. I thought I was. The goat. Sir? What are you doing going to the goat? Thirsty, sir. I went in for a drink. Oh, look, son. I told you I didn't like a smart ass. And neither do the low lives in the goat. I said keep your head down, so why didn't you? Well, I thought I was, sir. Listen, I didn't go looking for trouble. Are you trying to wind me up? Just learning the patch, sir. Well, I hope you've learned to avoid the goat. <clears throat> yes, sir. Now look, Sergeant, you're up to something. I can tell now. Be warned. 
I'm watching you. And when it's not me, it'll be someone else. Now get out and keep your nose clean. Yes, sir. Now, I've got a job for you. A Navy ship, the Audacious, going to be arriving at Bramley Moor tomorrow night. It's taking on provisions and fuel, so you're in charge of its security. Don't fuck it up. I was surprised how quickly things were moving. I turned to leave when Superintendent O'Toole stopped me. He leaned close and whispered in my ear an ominous warning. Cross me again, son, and you won't be walking away as easily as you did from the goat. I left Superintendent O'Toole's office, chilled by his threat, knowing my card was well and truly marked. His warning that I was being watched made the task set by Major Parker doubly difficult. A plan was beginning to form in my mind, and I realized that I was going to need help. I went and found Dancer. Where are we off to, Sarge? We, Dancer, are going to visit a friend. Not back to the goat, Sarge. Oh, not this time, lad. Sarge, what happened, you know, back at the goat? Well, I'm afraid we were, how should I put this, laid into, lad, and I apologise. Not your fault, sir, but... Uh, are you okay? I mean, not too badly beaten. I'm okay, but, well... We got beaten, but I don't know. Oh, come on, dancer, spit it out, lad. I was expecting worse. Well, yes, and you can count yourself lucky. When you went upstairs, well, you were in there a long time. What are you asking, constable? Well, come on, spit it out. Are you bent, sir? I bent. Are you asking, am I taking illegal payments? No, no, sir. I'm not saying that. It's up to you. It's none of my business. It's just... I grabbed Dancer by the throat and pinned him against the wall. Just what, lad? What do you want to know? It's just... I'm not bothered. It's just... I don't want to be involved. That's all. I released my grip. And despite myself, I burst out laughing. <laughs> What's funny, sir? <laughs> you are, sir. A copra and the dogs who's not bent. Don't see what's funny about that. <laughs> uh, uh, what's funny, Constable Dancer? Is I thought I was the only one. <laughs> By the time we arrived at the Adelphi Hotel, Dancer's mood had improved visibly. After my revelation, I said no more, and neither did he. I used our walk to consider how best to use my new found ally, and just how much of my mission I could reveal to him. The Adelphi was one of the Liverpool's finest hotels, of which... There were many. It was home to Lil Palmer, 
a society prostitute. She kept rooms at the hotel to entertain her most important clients. We made our way to the reception desk, and I caught the eye of the desk manager. Hello. I've come to see Miss Palmer. Miss Palmer is entertaining. I can pass her a message. Who shall I say called? I didn't like the man's manner. I leaned across the desk and whispered politely. Call Miss Palmer's rooms and inform her that Sergeant Beauty wishes to see her on a matter of utmost urgency. The receptionist looked shaken. He stepped back, adjusted his attire, and gave me a cursory glance before he left the reception desk. I signaled to Dancer to join me on a sofa. A prosy, sir. Uh, Dancer, Lil Palmer is so much more than the prostitutes you are used to dealing with. Did you hear me? Yeah. Still a brass, though. And how many women do you know who live in the splendor of the Adelphi Hotel? Yeah, but... Uh, but nothing, Dancer. I shall expect you to treat Miss Palmer with the utmost respect. But she's a prosy. And you are a policeman. I know. Difficult to believe, isn't it? You're not going up for a ride, you, sir. <laughs> oh, Dancer. Uh, on this occasion, it's purely business, I can assure you. Mum says stay away from dirty prosers. They'll be the ruin of a man. Well, you listen to your mother, Dancer. She appears to be very wise. I just hope you've inherited a fraction of her wit. Why is that, sir? Because you'll be needing every ounce of it shortly. I was about to divulge more to the young copper when my attention was attracted by the receptionist. <coughs> Miss Palmer said she'll see you now, sir. I'll call a porter to show you. I didn't wait. I visited Lil Palmer on many occasions. Her lavish rooms were well known to me. Lil and I went back a long time. I'd known her when, well, let's say she was just starting in her line of work. I'd always felt sorry for the prostitutes of Liverpool. Like everyone else, we're just trying to earn a living, dubious in its honesty. Prostitutes were treated very badly by all quarters. I always thought Lil could do so much better. But when a woman's opportunities are limited, they are forced to do things that most women would be ashamed of. Lil Palmer was not one of these women and had made a success of her life choices. Whilst never a client, I always had a soft spot for her and had helped her out on a few scrapes over the years. But today, I was hoping she could return a favour. Patsy, long time no see. Oh, Lil, I hope you are well. Yeah, business is good, if that's what you want to know. Well, obviously. Can I get you a drink? No, sorry, Lil, no time. I've come to ask you a favour. Me? Help you? Now that'll be a first. Well, you know, I wouldn't ask if it wasn't important. 
You know I'll always help you, Pazzy. Well, I must warn you, Lil. What I ask should put you in a great danger. Danger? How exciting. I could do with spicing up my life. I'm not joking, Lil. I have a mission and friends are few. You never had many anyway. Well, that's true. I always considered you as one, though. Why, Patrick Bewley, I'm touched. So, what is it? Listen, what I'm about to impart to you, nobody else is aware of. Sounds very mysterious, Patrick. This is very serious. Lives are at stake. A great many if I fail. Then we must make sure you succeed then. What do you want me to do? Okay. Lil, I want you to help me join the Irish mob. I spent half an hour with Lil. I told her everything. I thought if anything was to happen, there should be at least one person who knows the truth about what I'm about to do. So now you know everything. How do you feel? I don't know. Shocked. Surprised. Excited. Scared. I know I'm asking a lot. But there are a few people who can move so freely in both worlds. But they are family. I know. And they are terrorists. You're bent on destroying one of Her Majesty's ship and all who sail on her. You feel no loyalty to your family? Of course I do. But to warn them would alert their inner circle of our infiltration and could result in even more loss of life. I will do what I can to spare them. But when it comes to it, I will have no hesitation in doing my duty. I won't envy you the day you have to make that choice. It will come sooner rather than later. Lil came to me and in an unguarded moment held me and kissed me on the cheek and whispered, Good luck, Sergeant Bewley. When I left, I felt relieved knowing that whilst Lil may not be most people's idea of a good friend, in this city, in my opinion, there was no finer one. I saw a dancer sitting on the sofa waiting. As I walked out of the lift, I smiled, knowing that along with Lil, I had at least one other ally, and in the perilous adventure that lay ahead. How'd that go, Sarge? Well, things are moving, Constable. Things are moving. As we left the hotel, neither Dancer or myself were prepared for what happened next. Several police officers appeared from nowhere and bundled us into a blacked-out prison coach. We were no sooner in than the gate was locked and the coach sped away. This has been a Pompous Play production. Paul Daly, and starring Christopher Power, Ruben Clark, Ethan Matz, 
Beat Gibson and Rachel Beach. Episode 5. The Games Begin. I'm anxious to say HMS Audacious were proceeding at pace. To save my skin, I had convinced the corrupt city police officer, Sergeant Brown, he could join us as a partner with the promise of dockyard wealth. I had finally met with my and strange brothers, Tommy and Johnny, members of the notorious Irish mob. I had hoped to use my family connections to gain access to those who planned to sink audacious when she birthed at Bramley Moor. However, an unforeseen problem had arisen. Our family reunion would not be confirmed until I had proven my commitment to the cause. I must kill someone. I was stunned. My brother's request was an unexpected turn in events. And who is it I must murder to prove my family loyalty? He's a British Secret Service officer, albeit a spy on us. His name, we believe, is Major Parker. I try to conceal my surprise. And where can I find this Major Parker? He enjoys the company of one of your friends, Lil Palmer. Well, Lil... What has she got to do with this? Oh, your little can be very patriotic when she wants. She's planning on giving the major a fine old time this evening, I yeah. believe. <laughs> yeah. I was tempted to say she never mentioned it, but held my tongue. They're having a bit of dinner after your Delphi. You have a table booked. Then after dinner, before we time for the night, and a bit of fun. <laughs> Lil, well, she's promised to show Major Parker the town. Well, I see. Does Lil know about your plans? Well, she knows bits, but it's it's probably best we keep her out of it, eh, brother? <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe not. I mean, one less town process. <laughs> <laughs> Never liked it anyways, suck or cow. Deserves all she gets. This was turning very bad. How will I be able to save both Lil and the Major without revealing myself and my real plans? And where would you like this assassination to happen? Low Hill. Right outside the cop shop. <laughs> we want to send them coppers a lesson. Don't we, Tommy? <laughs> Not ass. <laughs> You've gone quiet, brother. Don't you want to do it? Look, I, I'm thinking. Thinking? Thinking? <laughs> well, don't think too much. Time's getting on. It's up to you. Big talk you gave there. Now it's time to prove it wasn't just words. Or you really meant it. Mm, yeah. That's if you want to do this and, and be part of the family again. Getting Dad's good books. <laughs> My mind raced. I couldn't warn Parker. I didn't have enough time. I needed Dancer. But I sent him home for the night. The spark of an idea formed in my mind. How would you like him killed? We'll, we'll let you decide that, brother. 
uh, you obviously want to send a message to the people that that well, you know. That's the idea. An explosion always makes people sit up and take notice. It certainly does, brother. Any, any idea where you can you get dynamite at such short notice? Oh, I, I know a man. Time is short, brother. We'll have to move quickly. I needed time. Sergeant Brown's claim to having everything was about to be put to the test. Listen, can we delay this man, Parker? And how would, how would we do that? We, well, we could steal his coat. It's a good what? idea. He won't walk anywhere around this city. It's too dangerous. And there it was. How to kill two birds with one stone. I had a solution. Come on, let's go. And I was off, leaving my two brothers trailing in my way. Where are, you, where are you going? See a man about a bomb. I made double quick time through the city. My brothers, though, handy in the ring and out of it, had no level of fitness. When we arrived at the lockup yard on Parliament Street, where Sergeant George Wilson had taken us earlier, both men were sweating and breathing heavily. But what is this place? Uh, never mind. Now, we need you to go and steal Major Parker's coach and bring it here. What about the driver? Bring him too. Rough him up a bit and put him in the back. When we're finished, we might need him to identify his master. Johnny and Tommy exchanged glances. They were hesitating, obviously unsure what my intentions were. But due to the lack of time, they didn't have the option of considering the plan. My God, gentlemen, is this how you conduct all your operations? Will you just hurry up, get to it? Why can't we just shoot him? Fine, fine, let's do that. N no, I, I, I like Patrick's idea. Let's put on a show. <laughs> oh, flaming stupid idea, if you'd ask me. Well, well, you're lucky because nobody is asking you. Let's see what Dad says, eh? Well, that's not here, is he? So I'm in charge. <laughs> Watching them both argue, oh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum came to mind from an Alice in Wonderland book. You know, the one I had been reading to the children. If fate had not been kind, I may have been another Tweedle. I made my way back into the yard, but I was immediately confronted by a surprised-looking police man. I'm here to see Sergeant Brown. He's not here. I could tell by the hesitation in his voice. He was lying. Get him for me now. I said. Okay, son. I'll deal with the sergeant. Back so soon, Patrick. You said you can help. Well, I'm here to take you up on your offer. <laughs> Do you know that's why I like you? You're a man of impulse. So what's it to be? Dynamite. One or two sticks and a timer. <laughs> and a timer. <laughs> and I don't know. Is this a test? <laughs> Short fuse variety. George Brown started walking away, laughing. Oh, hold on. Oh, where are you going? 
to get to get you to order. <laughs> it took no more than five minutes before Sergeant Brown returned. Now, do you want to tell me what this is for? We are going to kill a British spy and prove my loyalty to the Irish mob. Sergeant Brown found this even funnier and rolled around in laughter. <laughs> oh, Patrick, you are a funny man. <laughs> I can see working with you is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> And when do you plan carrying out this improbable task? I consulted my watch at 9.30. There was a pause and more laughter from Brown. <laughs> Honestly, Patrick, <laughs> you should be on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Brown found this whole adventure totally amusing. He handed me the dynamite and pointed out the quick-acting fuse which was merely a spring on a dial, which you twisted. And in the time it took to return to zero, it produced a spark which ignited the dynamite rudimentary in its operation and hugely inefficient. I pray that today it would serve its purpose. and have no time to humor Sergeant Brown. Satisfied, I have the tools, and now I'm going to prepare Kill someone. Sergeant Brown, two men will shortly come to the gates in a blacked-out coach they have stolen. You must seize the coach and arrest the men. Take them to a bridewell and question them on how they obtained the coach, and then beat them soundly before taking them down to the dark road and dropping them outside the goat, warning them against doing it again. <laughs> Is there anything else, Sergeant? <laughs> yes, yes. They'll have a passenger. He's the coach driver. He's to remain in the carriage. Revenge on the Irish mob, eh? For the beaten? Yeah, crafty little bastard. And what then? I will take the coach and attempt to kill the king's man. And as I agreed, Brown was silent. Probably considering the consequences, did my mission not succeed, and we are caught. Any problems? No, nah, not at all. You do what you have to do, Sergeant. Right, now, assemble your officers, and at the moment the coach stops, and you've secured the men, take them away from here. And what will you do? Well, it's, I will take care of business. Brown left and gathered a number of his men and gave them a quick briefing and drove out the police coach and horses. I left the yard and crossed the road and hid in the darkness of a narrow quick entry. I could see a large coach slowly plodding up the hill. It was the one park had collected me a few days earlier and took a step back. I was about to close the door when I felt a presence behind me. I drew my billy club and swung around. Evening, Sergeant Bewley. Truly, John, sir. What are you doing here? Sorry, Sarge, but when I left you at the Coburg, I passed these two surly-looking gentlemen coming through the gates. They looked shifty, like they were up to no good. So I thought, bet these fellas are here to see you. So I thought I'd best stay about in case you needed a hand. Oh, thank you, Constable. 
you are a godsend. One thing, why did you step forward when I dangled me over the dock? I did think about it, sir, but bloody hell, Sarge, have you seen the size of them? So I thought, if they're going to kill you, there's nothing I could do about it. But on the other hand, I'd know where to look for the body. The correct decision, Constable. Good work. Now, I have more work for you to do. I quickly gave Dancer his instructions. He slipped away into the night, hopefully reaching the Adelphi before Lil and Major Parker appeared on the steps of the hotel and could be identified. The coach almost reached the top of the hill, and I heard the shrill burst of a whistle, and from my hiding place, I saw several police officers appear from nowhere and commandeer the coach. My brothers, who were sitting on the driving board, were taken by surprise. The officers dragged the two men from the carriage and began viciously attacking them. I felt a little bit sorry for them both, before reminding myself that this situation was usually reversed, and it was Tommy and Johnny hanging out the beatings. I was impressed how quickly the operation was completed, and the two men were bundled into the wagon and driven away. By the time I revealed myself, George Brown was standing, holding the reins of the coach. The driver's in the back. He's taken a bit of a beating, but uh, he'll survive. I checked through the carriage window. The driver was indeed sitting up nursing the shiner, but recovering. From his build and complexion, I would surmise he was part of Major Parker's operation. He was probably a sergeant, possibly in the guards. His tanned suggested he'd recently returned from sunnier climates. He recognised me and winked, realising that this operation must be part of some greater plan. Whether he was aware of the full extent of this operation, he gave no clue. I asked him to remove his top coat muffler and pass them to me, as he did without speaking. I ordered him to stay there and don't move. He took the garments and began to put them on. I recovered his bowler, began to climb onto the driver's board. Thank you, Sergeant. I'm impressed. You are all part of the service, Patrick. Partners, remember? How could I forget? Now, what's next? Well, now we blow up a member of His Majesty's Secret Service. <laughs> I couldn't help but return a smile. This was a crazy day, and it was far from over. Thank goodness for Dancer. During our brief conversation, I told him to make haste to the Adelphi and find Will Palmer and warn Major Parker. These things I had asked him to do without him knowing what any of these people looked like or where they may be found, apart from somewhere within the walls of the Adelphi Hotel. I was indeed stretching his resources. His ability to achieve these tasks would certainly be a challenge for the young lad. Still, I thought we are all flying by the seat of our pants, and whatever judgments Dancer makes will be comparable to his ingenuity and intellect, which had increased greatly since spotting the potential problems with my brothers earlier. I thanked Sergeant Brown, told him I would contact him soon, and proceed to drive away from the yard. As I did so, Brown called me too. Ah, misery, member. What's yours is half mine. I proceeded down the hill, and I knew I would not be followed, as there was no point. 
Brown knew my destination. At the bottom of the hill, there was a commotion. A man had been run over by a car. There was a crowd, and some stood looking at a mangled dead body. Others tried to console the driver who was trying to explain how the man had just walked out. I maneuvered the coach around the carriage that had an idea. I reached back to the porthole behind the driver's seat and called to Major Parker's driver, now sitting tensely waiting for instruction. Driver, can you come with me? I need to recover that dead body from beneath that truck. Yes, sir. Quick as a flash and without question, the driver jumped from the coach and forced his way through the crowd. Then with the strength of an ox, drew the body up and onto his shoulder, much to the shock and anger of the crowd. Oi, what do you think you're doing? Taking him to hospital. But the police ain't come yet. Someone called an ambulance. But he's dead, oi. Hey, I said, oi, he's dead. You can't just take him. Driver wasn't listening, and he forced his way back to the coach where he unceremoniously threw the blood-soaked body onto the floor of the carriage and jumped in. In the fleet of an eye, we were off. The crowd stood bemused, watching us go. Well done, driver. Uh, thank you, sir. I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. Driver will do, sir. How badly damaged is the body, driver? His torso is shot. Part of his face is disfigured. There's a lot of blood. That's good. Begging your pardon, sir? Is there a reason for all this? Yes. I'm about to kill your major. Oh, I see. Well, you don't sound surprised. It's a hazard of the job, I'm afraid. A lot of people have got it in for the major. So, you're used to this kind of a thing, then? Not this particular ruse, but the planned outcome is always the same. Hopefully, I won't be the first to succeed in my mission, then. Oh, I'll see to that, sir. You're a good man, driver. Let's hope appearances and astute outcomes can be convincing. Are you permitted to tell me the plan, sir? If I had one, be sure you'll be the first to know. My aim, however, is to trick the Irish mob into believing that I have killed Major Parker. I pulled the coach to a halt. Do you know where the Adelphi Hotel is? Yes, sir. And do you know which room Major Parker is staying in? I do. Good. Now I need you to go to the Major's room and get me a suit of his clothes and some identifying papers. Ah, that won't be necessary, sir. Uh, and why's that? Like I told you, sir, the Major and I are used to these situations. We have a boot full of essentials for such occasions. I'm sure I can find a suit of clothes that will fit the unfortunate gentleman. Oh, my, oh, my, driver. You are well prepared. Better to be safe than sorry, sir. Indeed, in which case I will drop you at Lime Street Station. I assume you have money. Like I say, sir, we are prepared for all occasions. In that case, purchase two... No, 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 no. Three railway tickets to London on the next available train. Three, sir? Will you be joining us? Oh, no, 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 no. no. Much as I would enjoy a few days in the capital, I feel it would do Miss Palmer well to leave the city for a short time. Anything else, sir? Do you have a gun? Naturally, sir. What calibre and how many? My word, you do come prepared. 
Just one small side arm will be suitable. The driver was leaving the carriage and I had a thought. Uh, driver. Yes, sir. You wouldn't have a spare 250 pounds in that war chest of yours? Certainly, sir. I drove to Lime Street Station, which was a stone's throw away from the Adelphi. The driver, meanwhile, met the poor unfortunate in one of the major suits and tucked him below the window line, disguised in my top coat muffler and bowler, I was indistinguishably from the other drivers on the rank. I knew, however, that whilst my brothers may not be brilliant geniuses, they would have known to place their agents in and around the hotel to make sure my plan was carried out. His work was done. The driver commandeered a porter's cart and on it placed a considerable collection of cases from the coach's boot. He handed me a small paper bag containing the gun and the money. Normally, I would ask for a receipt, but I'm sure the Major would authorise this transaction. Well, I'm sure he would. And thank you, Drive, your assistance. I feel we shall probably meet again in the future. Hmm. Good luck, sir. Thank you. Now, go reserve your seats and await the Major and Miss Palmer on the platform. We took hands and the driver left and returned to the driving board and steered the coach into the evening air of Limestone. I did fall out into the traffic when I felt a rumble and a bouncing in the carriage. Bloody hell, you got a dead toff in the back, sir. I looked through the portal to see a now familiar face. Dancer! What the hell, boy? Did you kill him, Sarge? No. It was run down by a truck. How the heck did you know it was me? A truck? And I'll explain later. Did you find the Major? Yes, Sarge. Tell you anything for a farthing in that place. I found him. Told him you were coming to try and kill him. But you had a plan. I said to remain in the hotel until I returned. Ah, well done, lad. Well done to you. As we sat by the side of the road, a few yards from the hotel, I was impressed by Dancer's initiative. I must remember to return that farthing, I thought. But before then... What now? The Major's man has reserved seats on the next train to London. He's waiting for him and Miss Palmer on the platform. He must go back to the hotel and inform the Major. Tell him he must leave by the back entrance. He must not be seen. After what we are about to do, people must believe he is dead. He must press that. For this to work, he must leave now. And what are the prosy? Uh, uh, I mean, Miss Palmer. Well, she will join him on the train shortly, if she can. They must not wait for her. I suddenly noticed the snot-nosed desk clerk from the Adelphi walking towards us. He was dressed for a night on the town. He wore a dark evening suit, which to the unaccustomed eye looked expensive. The kind of suit a guest staying at the Adelphi Hotel might wear. I had an idea. Quick, dancer, open the carriage door and be ready. I jumped out from the bench and loitered at the side of the cab. I drew out my billy club, and as the unsuspected clerk passed, I struck him forcefully on the head. I literally did not know what hit him. As he fell forward, I caught him and bundled him into the coach where Dancer dragged him aside and closed the carriage doors. Do you think you've killed him, Sarge? It doesn't matter. Quickly, lad, get his clothes off and you get them off. Yes! Can I keep them, Sarge? Yes, if it all goes to plan. Brilliant.
Oh, the fit. And there's no blood. I watched with a portal as dancers stripped the poor desk clerk. He put on his rather nice new suit. Hey, Sarge. Yes, Constable. Can we go proper dancing after this? Dancer's youthful enthusiasm was hard not to admire. And at time, I could grow to like the boy. Not tonight. It was much at stake. Hey, Sarge, I think the clerk might be coming around. Well, hit him again, only harder. Hey, Sarge, guess what I've got? I heard a loud thump. I assumed Dancer had obtained his own billy club. Well done, lad. Now, how's it going? That should do it, sir. I'm ready. I'm proper smart, too. I looked back and admired the now smartly dressed Dancer. As my mother might have said, he's scrubbed up well. Now, make sure your cap is pulled down so nobody recognises you. You must be as circumspect as possible entering the hotel. Once the Major has gone, you and Miss Palmer must wait on the steps of the hotel until I arrive. Won't people see us? Yes, they will. But all the Irish mob know is that Major Parker is Lil's guest, not what he looks like. And they will think you are Major Parker. But won't someone try to kill me? No, but I'm going to do that. I'm going to blow you up. Huh? Oh, don't worry, Constable. If all goes to plan, you will survive. Good to know, Sarge. We pulled out into traffic and were positioned between two passing cabs and gave Dancer the order to leave the coach discreetly. This he did. I pulled the coach forward and away from the hotel to allow Dancer time to deliver his message and then for him and Will to appear on the steps of the hotel. I knew prying eyes working for the Irish mob would be waiting for my arrival. But once clear of the main road, took to the back streets, where once I was sure I hadn't been followed, I'd stopped and dragged the clerk from the coach. Now, in only his underwear and still unconscious, I'd propped him in the doorway and found a half-empty bottle of grog, splashed him with the contents and secured the bottle in his arms. Hopefully, it wouldn't be too long before a beat bobby would discover him and lock him up for the night. Satisfied with my work, I made my way back along Lyme Street, it wasn't hard to spot Lil Palmer in a pure white mink stone, drawing attention to herself on the Delphi Hotel steps, as I had hoped. The partner, a rather dashing young-looking man, looked proud as punched to have such a beauty on his arm, although how his mother would feel if she knew her son, a policeman, was consorting with Liverpool's most notorious prostitute was a different story. As I came closer, I could see that Lil had smartened Dancer up even more. He smoothed his hair with oil and drew a pencil-thin moustache on his face to make him look older. And I dare say devilishly handsome. They spotted me and stepped forward. Lil used over-exaggerated gestures to attract not only mine, but anybody else's attention who may be looking. Driver, here. Here we are. Major. Is that your carriage? Dancer nodded and the purse stepped forward. Remembering his manners, Dancer opened the carriage door and Lil was again at her over-exaggerated best. Thank you, Major. You're such a gentleman. Once in the carriage, Lil settled back and began laughing. 
<laughs> well, that was a laugh. Haven't had that much excitement in years. Evening, Lou. Evening, Paddy. Oh, so far so good. Dancer, you were a natural. I can have to watch myself. Major Park will want you for the Secret Service. Me? A spy? Oh, imagine that. I think he'd make a very good spy. A dashing one at that. Lil, are you flirting with my constable? I don't know, constable. Are we flirting? Or is there something more? I'm sorry, miss, but... but, but... Dancer, put your tongue back in your mouth. Leave Miss Palmer alone. We've still got work to do. Any more distractions and I'll have to speak to your mother. What was it she said about prostitutes? Nothing, nothing, Sarge. Honest. Oh, Paddy, this is so exciting. What now? Uh, well, you're off to London for a few days as the guest of Major Parker. Oh, this job gets better and better. Uh, only first, we have to get you out of this cab and off to Lyons Street Station without being noticed. Oh, that's easy. A cab sat next to us. And it had a couple of young army officers who were sitting quietly until they'll pull down the carriage window, flashed them a big smile and shouted. I open up. I need a lift. Oh, the officers scrambled for the door, opened it and Lil did the same. Then cool as you like, steeped from one coach to the other, much to the excitement of the two young officers. But, uh, well, to the disappointment of Dancer. You know where I live now, young man. Come up and see me sometime. <laughs> she blew Dancer a kiss and turned and smiled at the two soldiers, their coach stopping suddenly and changing direction towards Lime Street Station. I glanced through at Dancer. Wipe that smile off your face, lad. We've got work to do. Get changed. But Sarge, you said I could keep the clothes. Well, and you can. But anyone who saw you leaving the Adelphi will recognise you when you leave this coach. Now wipe that moustache off and ruffle up your hair. I want the old dancer back. I don't want to be the old dancer. Oh, believe me, son. It's not clothes that make the man. It's the person who's wearing them. The old dancer has no more. The young constable took heart from this and quickly changed. I told him to prop the dead man in the back seat and position him so he was partially visible. I then told him to draw back the curtains, but to crouch down so as not to be seen. As we approached a busy street corner on London Road, I told Dancer to jump from coach as discreetly as possible and to make his way home for the night. This he did. I carried on up the approach to Low Hill and the central bridle. When I was a hundred yards from Low Hill, the station, I recovered the dynamite from under my seat and set the timer. Low Hill was the headquarters of the Liverpool City Police Force until recently it had been my place of work. It was a busy station with police officers coming and going 24 hours a day. I had to time the explosion to have the maximum effect but limited damage. Just before the station, I saw a coach leaving its spot. This was my opportunity. I reached forward and released the bolt holding the carriage to the pair of horses. One good job, and they could run free. As we got closer to the bridle, 
I had set the timer. I gave the horses the snap of the whip. They jumped forward, flipped their leathers, and raced off. Those policemen walking towards us saw this and scattered rather than being trampled. The coach still had forward motion. So I quickly activated the spring-loaded fuse, threw it through the porthole, and leapt from the coach. Upon landing, I clung on my bowl of muffler and top coat. The confusion caused by the roaming horse caught everyone's attention. I remained unnoticed, and I slipped away down a back street in time to hear the explosion of the coach. I threw away the bowler and pulled on my cap and drew up my collar and blended into the crowd as they walked down the hill towards London Road, the city centre, and finally my destination, Bramley Moor. I still had work to do. This has been a Pompous Play production. Pompous Plays After Dark presents Jacko. Episode 2, Frida, starring Lisa Whiteside and Mark Newsom, and written by Paul Daly. Oh, it's you. Nice to see you too. What do you want? I'm out. <laughs> Sorry, is this a confession? Confession? You know... About you being out, like you're gay out. Because <laughs> I'm not bothered and I'm not surprised. No, I'm not. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out, I'm out of Nick. Oh, I didn't know you'd been in. You mean you haven't missed me? It's been three years. Three years is nothing when you're having fun. Nick's no fun. I'm talking about me. So you've been having fun? <laughs> I'm still living here. What do you think? So... So what? Are you going to invite me in? Why? Why? Have you got a warrant? I've come to see you and the kids. <laughs> That's a first. You're not going to kill yourself off, are you? No. Are you sure? Because I don't want the police coming round here after they find your body and them saying it was my fault. Look, I wasn't planning to kill myself, but the way things are going now... I'm probably thinking about it now. Oh, God, like, that is it. You best come in then. But don't nick anything. I know you. I don't do that anymore. How many times have I heard you say that? Jacko, I know you. You can't bloody help yourself. This time I mean it. And pigs might fly. <sighs> you haven't tied it up then. Me and the kids, we like the place. Oh, natural. Besides, we weren't expecting company. You want to see the place when social services come? Immaculate. Yeah, I bet. I'm not making the effort just to please you. It's what me and the kids like. You don't count. I never did. And you never will. Now, what brings you back? I hope you're not after money because I've gotten on. As a matter of fact, you owe me. What for? Well, apart from child support, the trauma, what I've been through with these three kids of yours. Three kids? There was only one when I went away. Aye, uh, but you're forgetting the conjugal visits. I never had no conjugal visits. <laughs> no, but I did. I needed support when you weren't around. The only support you ever needed was when you were too pissed to walk home. 
was rich coming from you. You're no better than the rest of them round here. Just another deadbeat dad using me as a sexual plaything. This estate is full of fellas like you. I'm a victim. Look, I'm sorry, but I'm a changed man now. I'll make it up to you. You haven't found God, have you? I've just seen the error of me ways, that's all. Oh, I see. Gone all touchy-feely then. I just want to be good from now on. Jacko, a word of advice. Nobody likes a do-gooder. Not around here. It's not natural. Nothing wrong with wanting to be a better person. Well, don't be sprouting any of your goody-goody mumbo-jumbo to the kids. They've been warned to stay away from weirdos who say this kind of stuff. How are the kids? Which ones? Start with mine first, eh? They're all good, thank you. And behaving themselves. What do you care? I'm the dad, he said. Well, at least one of them's mine. Ah, well, nothing's been proved on that. Can I see him? What for? It's what dads are supposed to do. Say who? Bob. Who's Bob when he's at home? My mentor. Is that like your boyfriend? No. He's like my teacher. What, he's like an old dog teaching you new tricks? He's trying to get me straight. So you were gay then? No, not that straight. So you're still gay? I'm not gay. You always was a little bit gay when we were together. No, I wasn't. <laughs> Bent as a nine-bob note, my mum used to say. How is your mum? Dead. Oh no, how did that happen? TV licence bloke was the last straw. Did she kill herself? No. She got fed up of being chased by the social security for fraud. So she bought herself a life vest from the charity shop, took herself off to the ship canal, threw herself in and pretended she were one of them illegal immigrants and claimed asylum. But she's she's not. Aye, but they don't know that. All them do-good has fallen over themselves to give her a better life. Never seen her so happy. Got a lovely little place out in the country. All for now. Bugger. You want to try it? Changed her life. She's learning Albanian. At least someone's happy. So where are you living now? I'm not. My mum's chucked me out. Oh, I see. So that's why you're here then? Because there's no room at this inn? It'll only be for a night. Till I can go and see Bob. Your boyfriend? He's not my boyfriend. Is he just using you then? Like as a sex slave? He's not using me at all. He's helping me. Look, if you want my advice, stay gay. But I'm not gay. There's nothing to be ashamed of, you know. i got nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> Good, because being straight gets you nowhere these days. What do you mean? Well, a lot's changed since you went inside. These days, being a little bit gay, you know, the other way, it helps. With what? Where do I start? The telly. If you want to get on it, you tell him you're partial to a bit of... Uh, actually, I'm, I'm I'm thinking of going into comedy. <laughs> Jacko, you're funny. Comedy, you. Don't make me laugh. What's wrong with being funny? With me being funny? Jacko, love, you'll never be funny whilst I've got a hole in my... Well, Bob said I am. Who's Bob? My mentor, I just told it. He's helping me. He said I've got talent. Everyone in Britain thinks they've got talent. 
Even those two feckless mum nuts who present it. He's getting me on a course. What for? To learn to be funny. Learn to be funny? You can't teach people that. Bob said he can. But you've got a job. No, I haven't. You're a thief? Not anymore. That larkin. Why? I'm too old. Thieving's a young man's game. But it was your career. You can't just walk away from something you're giving your life to. Reader love, I'm a rubbish thief. So? So why do something you're not good at? You know your problem. You didn't practice enough. The other night, I was watching a documentary about Wayne Rooney. You know, the footballer. Morning, noon and night, that little fat bastard was kicking a ball around. I don't like football. That's not the point. If you want to be good at something, you practice. Wayne did, and look at him now. Rich, famous and married to Colleen. Lovely house. And to think he was banging grannies. Yeah, I'm not into that. What? Banging grannies? <laughs> we'll all be old one day, you know. Just because we dry up doesn't mean we lose the taste. No, football. My point is, Jacko, is that little fat scouser turned his life around. He should be a role model. Well, I will too. I'm serious about being a comedian. I'll practice, I'll get good. Come on then. Tell us a joke. I can't. What do you mean you can't? You said you wanted to be a comedian, make me laugh. I do, but I'm not going to be telling jokes. Hang on, last time I heard, comedians tell jokes. You know, some do. I'm going to be doing more observational stuff like. Observational stuff? Yeah, you know, like taking the piss out of people, them kind of jokes. And that's funny, is it? Taking the piss? Well, yeah. Oh, I see. So some fella comes in looking like the bloody elephant man through no fault of his own, and then you're going to take the piss out of him? No, no, I wouldn't do that. So who are you going to be taking the piss out of then? Normal people. Normal people? What the bloody hell's funny about normal people? Loads of stuff. Okay. I'm normal. Take the piss out of me. No, you're not. You're not normal. You cheeky bugger. I'm more normal than you. I don't think so. I bloody am. You're not. And why am I not? You've got a boat. So? Lots of people have got boats. Not on council estates and not when they live in a tower block. You've got it parked outside. Well, how am I supposed to get it to the 14th floor? It's an ocean going yacht. Jacko, what's your point? Is that normal? It was a gift from me dad. What's your dad doing with a bow? He won it on Bullseye. It was Bully's star prize and he left it to me in his will. Is your dad dead too? No, he's on witness protection. He had to get himself a new identity. Why? What happened? He's where people smuggling. Your dad is... what was a people smuggler? Don't sound so surprised. My dad's got a talent for crime and darts. He saw an opportunity and he took it. As a people smuggling? No, one bullseye. Funny story, actually. What happened was, after he won the boat, he was going to sell it, you know. Then he had this brainwave. He was going to use his boat, go people smuggling from France? No, the Isle of Man. People smuggling from the Isle of Man? Aye, ingenious. You know, bringing tourists back and fro to the mainland. He was undercutting the big ferry companies. In the end, he was doing so well, 
they had to get a contract out on him. And he said... I never heard about that. Well, you won't, would you? This bloody government, secrets they keep from us. It's all run by the glitteratis, you know. Them buggers in Parliament are up to the next in it. And we don't know anything about it. The glitterati? Never heard of them. It's a secret society. Google it. You mean the Illuminati? Who? The Illuminati. They're trying to create a new world order. Oh, that bollocks. I'm not bothered about them. No, over here it's the glitterati. The gay mafia. They're trying to take over the country. Oh yeah, before we know it, we'll have Ryland as our Prime Minister and the likes of Alan Carr and Julian Clary negotiating Brexit. It's all part of the plan. And you know this how? My dad. He got drunk with a drag act in Hollyhead. It was one night and his one of his runs and holding me balls he was. Your dad's was holding your testicles since when have you had ball? No, that was the fella. Him. Whatever it is, that was their name. You're right, soft lad. The drag act. Holden me balls. He was very weak, like my father. Didn't take much to make him succumb to temptation. One night, and a bottle of duty-free creme de menthe, and he turned him. Your dad's gay? Oh, yeah. Weren't the same after that night. I don't know what got into him. Sounds like it was holding me balls. After that, he was forever coming round here nicking me stuff. Honestly, I had a brand new pair of fake Jimmy Choo's from the market, odd sizes, but you never knew once you had them on. Bloody gone. And I know it were him. I saw him there trolling around the Arndale. Well, you said he were dead. He said he wants to go off grid for a bit. Embrace his new lifestyle. He's living under an assumed name with his partner, holding over on my side. And he left you the boat. Said he wanted it to be official. Made out he'd drowned at sea. It's a bit desperate, that. Mm. My dad's always been a desperate man. Acts on impulse, he does. I'll never forget when he came round here and told me his plans. It was the night he stole my Jimmy Choo's, a thieving bastard. Go on then, what happened? Oh, yeah. So he says, free to love, I'm going to fake my own death. I'm leaving you everything so it looks like I'm gone. I thought, ooh, everything. Turns out his idea of everything is half a dozen of life jackets and a bloody boat. And then he says, all I ask of you is one thing. When I die, proper die that is, and I will, but just not yet, all I ask is you give me a Viking funeral. What's one of them? Says he wants us to put his dead body on the boat, sail it out into the ocean and set fire to it. Says when he's dead, he wants his spirit to be able to roam free. An afterlife on the ocean wave, he calls it. Always was a bit spiritual, you old man. Where did he get that idea from? Said he saw it in a film once with Tony Curtis. Said he always fancied going that way. So is that what you're going to do? I'm not shy. I'll get a couple of lads to push the boat into the canal, douse it with petrol and then we can claim it on the insurance. Sounds like a plan. More or less what he wanted. You know, until you do, you know, burn the boat. Is there any chance I can live on it? My boat? I'll look after it. I'll even move it to the canal so you won't you won't have to bother paying the lads when your dad pops off. Hmm. I don't know. I don't want Bob of yours taking advantage. 
Pop wouldn't do that. Jacko, I know you. It won't take much to have you back to your prison ways. What prison ways? You know, the funny business. I know what goes on. I don't know what you're talking about. Jacko, everyone knows what happens when you drop the soap. Please, Frida, I need this. I'll look after it, I promise. I, I need somewhere to live and, and so I can practice. Practice what? Me stand up. It'll take more than practice to make you funny. Please, Frida, I'm trying to go straight. I can't go back in the nick. What about your mates? What mates? The ones in the nick. I'll miss you. I'm not going back in nick. I thought you liked it. What makes you say that? Oh, you kept going back. I thought it was your second home. No, not anymore. That lives in the past. I'm going straight. I'm going to be a comedian. Oh, Jacko, you are funny. That's what my mum and dad said. No, I mean, they mean you're funny, funny. Not like funny, ha-ha, funny. But with a bit of practice, I could be good. Jacko, you get up on that stage and people will be laughing at you. That's the idea. Well, if you want to make a laughing stock of yourself, it's up to you. So can I borrow your belt? On one condition. Get us a couple of bottles of red and none of the cheap shite. Ah, I've got no money. Since when's has no money stop you? I told you I've changed. I don't nick stuff anymore. I thought you were joking. No, I mean it. Now that's not funny. Jacko, love. Think of it as a means to an end. You're not stealing... You're helping a damsel in distress. Reader, love, I don't do that anymore. Well, in that case, you don't live on a boat either. Screw top, do you? <laughs> Aye, that'll do. And you might as well nick us some nuts whilst you're at it. In for a penny, eh, Jacko? Aye, in for a penny. This has been a Pampas Play production. Pampas Plays After Dark presents Jacko, Episode 2, Frida, starring Lisa Whiteside and Mark Newsom and written by Paul Daly. Oh, it's you. Nice to see you too. What do you want? I'm out. <laughs> Sorry, is this a confession? Confession? You know, about you being out, like you're gay out. Because I'm not bothered and I'm not surprised. No, I'm not. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out, I'm out of Nick. Oh, I didn't know you'd been in. You mean you haven't missed me? It's been three years. Three years is nothing when you're having fun. Nick's no fun. I'm talking about me. So you've been having fun? <laughs> I'm still living here. What do you think? So... So what? Are you going to invite me in? Why? Why? Have you got a warrant? I've come to see you and the kids. <laughs> That's a first. You're not going to kill yourself off, are you? No. Are you sure? 
because I don't want the police coming around here after they find your body and them saying it was my fault. Look, I wasn't planning to kill myself, but the way things are going, I'm probably thinking about it now. Oh, God, like, that is it. You best come in then, but don't nick anything. I know you. I don't do that anymore. How many times have I heard you say that? Jacko, I know you. You can't bloody help yourself. This time I mean it. And pigs might fly. <sighs> you haven't tidied up then. Me and the kids, we like the place. Oh, natural. Besides, we weren't expecting company. You want to see the place when social services come? Immaculate. Yeah, I bet. I'm not making the effort just to please you. It's what me and the kids like. You don't count. I never did. And you never will. Now, what brings you back? I hope you're not after money because I've gotten on. As a matter of fact, you owe me. What for? Well, apart from child support, the trauma, what I've been through with these three kids of yours. Three kids? There was only one when I went away. Aye, but you're forgetting the conjugal visits. I never had no conjugal visits. (laughs) No, but I did. I needed support when you weren't around. The only support you ever needed was when you were too pissed to walk home. (laughs) That was rich coming from you. You're no better than the rest of them round here. Just another deadbeat dad using me as a sexual plaything. This estate is full of fellas like you. I'm a victim. Look, I'm sorry, but I'm a changed man now. I'll make it up to you. You haven't found God, have you? I've just cemented the error of me ways, that's all. Oh, I see. Gone all touchy-feely then. I just want to be good from now on. Jacko, a word of advice. Nobody likes a do-gooder. Not around here. It's not natural. Nothing wrong with wanting to be a better person. Well, don't be sprouting any of your goody-goody mumbo-jumbo to the kids. They've been warned to stay away from weirdos who say this kind of stuff. How are the kids? Which ones? Start with mine first, eh? They're all good, thank you. And behaving themselves? What do you care? I'm the dad, he said. Well, at least one of them's mine. Ah, well, nothing's been proved on that. Can I see him? What for? It's what dads are supposed to do. Say who? Bob. Who's Bob when he's at home? My mentor. Is that like your boyfriend? No. He's like my teacher. What, he's like an old dog teaching you new tricks? He's trying to get me straight. So you were gay then? No, not that straight. So you're still gay? I'm not gay. You always was a little bit gay when we were together. No, I wasn't. (laughs) Bent as a nine bob note, my mum used to say. How is your mum? Dead. Oh no, how did that happen? TV licence bloke was the last straw. Did she kill herself? No. She got fed up of being chased by the social security for fraud. So, she bought herself a life vest from the charity shop, took herself off to the ship canal, threw herself in and pretended she were one of them illegal immigrants and claimed asylum. But she's she's not. Aye, but they don't know that. All them do-gooders falling over themselves to give her a better life. Never seen her so happy. Got a lovely little place out in the country. All for now. Bugger. You want to try it? Changed her life. She's learning Albanian. 
At least someone's happy. So where are you living now? I'm not. My mum's chucked me out. Oh, I see. So that's why you're here then? Because there's no room at this inn? It'll only be for a night, till I can go and see Bob. Your boyfriend? He's not my boyfriend. Is he just using you then? Like as a sex slave? He's not using me at all. He's helping me. Look, if you want my advice, stay gay. But I'm not gay. There's nothing to be ashamed of, you know. i got nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> Good, because being straight gets you nowhere these days. What do you mean? Well, a lot's changed since you went inside. These days, being a little bit gay, you know, the other way, it helps. With what? Well, where do I start? The telly. If you want to get on it, you tell him you're partial to a bit of... Uh, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of going into comedy. <laughs> Jack, oh, you're funny. Comedy, you. Don't make me laugh. What's wrong with being funny? With me being funny? Jacko, love, you'll never be funny whilst I've got a hole in my... Well, Bob said I am. Who's Bob? My mentor, I just told it. He's helping me. He said I've got talent. Everyone in Britain thinks they've got talent. Even those two feckless mum nuts who present it. He's getting me on a course. What for? To learn to be funny. Learn to be funny? You can't teach people that. Bob said he can. But you've got a job. No, I haven't. You're a thief? Not anymore. That larkin. Why? Oh, I'm too old. Thieving's a young man's game. But it was your career. You can't just walk away from something you're giving your life to. Reader love, I'm a rubbish thief. So? So why do something you're not good at? You know your problem? You didn't practice enough. The other night, I was watching a documentary about Wayne Rooney. You know, the footballer. Morning, noon and night, that little fat bastard was kicking a ball around. I don't like football. That's not the point. If you want to be good at something, you practice. Wayne did, and look at him now. Rich, famous and married to Colleen. Lovely house. And to think he was banging grannies. Yeah, I'm not into that. What? Banging grannies? <laughs> we'll all be old one day, you know. Just because we dry up doesn't mean we lose the taste. No, football. My point is, Jacko, is that little fat scouser turned his life around. He should be a role model. Well, I will too. I'm serious about being a comedian. I'll practice, I'll get good. Come on then. Tell us a joke. I can't. What do you mean you can't? You said you wanted to be a comedian, make me laugh. I do, but I'm not going to be telling jokes. Hang on, last time I heard, comedians tell jokes. You know, some do. I'm going to be doing more observational stuff, like... Observational stuff? Yeah, you know, like taking the piss out of people, them kind of jokes. And that's funny, is it? Taking the piss? Well, yeah. Oh, I see. So some fella comes in looking like the bloody elephant man through no fault of his own, and then you're going to take the piss out of him? No, no, I wouldn't do that. So who are you going to be taking the piss out of then? Normal people. Normal people? What the bloody hell's funny about normal people? Loads of stuff. Okay. I'm normal. Take the piss out of me. No, you're not. You're not normal. You cheeky bugger. I'm more normal than you. I don't think so. I bloody am. You're not. 
And why am I not? You've got a boat. So, lots of people have got boats. Not on council estates and not when they live in a tower block. You've got it parked outside. Well, how am I supposed to get it to the 14th floor? It's an ocean going yacht. Jacko, what's your point? Is that normal? It was a gift from me dad. What's your dad doing with a bull? He won it on Bullseye. It was Bully Star Prize and he left it to me in his will. Is your dad dead too? No, he's on witness protection. He had to get himself a new identity. Why? What happened? He's where people smuggling. Your dad is what was a people smuggler. Don't sound so surprised. My dad's got a talent for crime and arts. He saw an opportunity and he took it. As a people smuggling? No, on bullseye. Funny story, actually. What happened was, after he won the boat, he was going to sell it, you know. Then he had this brainwave. He was going to use his boat, go people smuggling from France? No, the Isle of Man. People smuggling from the Isle of Man? Aye, ingenious. You know, bringing tourists back and fro to the mainland. He was undercutting the big ferry companies. In the end, he was doing so well, they had to get a contract out on him. And he said... I never heard about that. Well, you won't, would you? This bloody government, secrets to keep from us. It's all run by the glitteratis, you know. Them buggers in Parliament are up to the necks in it. And we don't know anything about it. The glitterati? Never heard of them. It's a secret society. Google it. You mean the Illuminati? Who? The Illuminati. They're trying to create a new world order. Oh, that bollocks. I'm not bothered about them. No, over here it's the glitterati. The gay mafia. They're trying to take over the country. Oh yeah, before we know it, we'll have Ryland as our Prime Minister and the likes of Alan Carr and Julian Clary negotiating Brexit. It's all part of the plan. And you know this how? Me dad. He got drunk with a drag act in Hollyhead. It was one night and he's one of his runs and old and me balls he was. Your dad's was holding your testicles since when have you had balls? No, that was the fella. Him. Whatever it is. That was their name. You're right, soft lad. The drag act. Holden me balls. He was very weak, like my father. Didn't take much to make him succumb to temptation. One night, and a bottle of duty-free creme de menthe, and he turned him. Your dad's gay? Ah, yeah. Want the same after that night. I don't know what got into him. Sounds like it was holding me balls. After that, he was forever coming round here nicking me stuff. Honestly. I had a brand new pair of fake Jimmy Choo's from the market, odd sizes, but you never knew once you had them on. Bloody gone. And I know it were him. I saw him there trolling around the Arndale. You said he were dead. He said he wants to go off grid for a bit. Embrace his new lifestyle. He's living under an assumed name with his partner, holding over on my side. And he left you the boat. Said he wanted it to be official. Made out he'd drowned at sea. It's a bit desperate, that. Mm, my dad's always been a desperate man. Acts on impulse, he does. I'll never forget when he came round here and told me his plans. It was the night he stole my Jimmy Choo's, a thieving bastard. Go on then, what happened? 
Oh, yeah. So he says, Frida Love, I'm going to fake my own death. I'm leaving you everything so it looks like I'm gone. I thought, oh, everything. Turns out his idea of everything is half a dozen of life jackets and a bloody boat. And then he says, all I ask of you is one thing. When I die, proper die that is, and I will, but just not yet. All I ask is you give me a Viking funeral. What's one of them? Says he wants us to put his dead body on the boat, sail it out into the ocean and set fire to it. Says when he's dead, he wants his spirit to be able to roam free. An afterlife on the ocean wave, he calls it. Always was a bit spiritual, you old man. Where did he get that idea from? Said he saw it in a film once with Tony Curtis. Said he always fancied going that way. So is that what you're going to do? I'm not shy. I'll get a couple of lads to push the boat into the canal, douse it with petrol and then we can claim it on the insurance. Sounds like a plan. More or less what he wanted. You know, until you do, you know, burn the boat. Is there any chance I can live on it? My boat? I'll look after it. I'll even move it to the canal so you won't, you won't have to bother paying the lads when your dad pops off. Mm, I don't know. I don't want Bob of yours taking advantage. Bob wouldn't do that. Jacko, I know you. It won't take much to have you back to your prison ways. What prison ways? You know, the funny business. I know what goes on. I don't know what you're talking about. Jacko, everyone knows what happens when you drop the soap. Please, Frida, I need this. I'll look after it, I promise. I, I need somewhere to live and, and so I can practice. Practice what? Me stand up. It'll take more than practice to make you funny. Please, Frida, I'm trying to go straight. I can't go back in the nick. What about your mates? What mates? The ones in the nick. I'll miss you. I'm not going back in nick. I thought you liked it. What makes you say that? Oh, you kept going back. I thought it was your second home. No, not anymore. That lives in the past. I'm going straight. I'm going to be a comedian. Oh, Jacko, <laughs> you are funny. That's what my mum and dad said. No, I mean... They mean you're funny, funny, not like funny, ha-ha, funny. But with a bit of practice, I could be good. Jacko, you get up on that stage and people will be laughing at you. That's the idea. Well, if you want to make a laughing stock of yourself, it's up to you. So can I borrow your boat? On one condition. Get us a couple of bottles of red and none of the cheap shite. Ah, I've got no money. Since when's has he no money stop you? I told you I've changed. I don't nick stuff anymore. I thought you were joking. No, I mean it. Now that's not funny. Jacko, love, think of it as a means to an end. You're not stealing. You're helping a damsel in distress. Reader, love, I don't do that anymore. Well, in that case, you don't live on a boat either. Screw top, do you? <laughs> Aye, that'll do. And you might as well nickel some nuts whilst you're at it. In for a penny, eh, Jacko? Aye, in for a penny. This has been a Pampers Play production.
Happens Place After Dark presents Jacko, Episode 2, Frida, starring Lisa Whiteside and Mark Newsom, and written by Paul Daly. Oh, it's you. Nice to see you too. What do you want? I'm out. <laughs> Sorry, is this a confession? Confession? You know, about you being out, like you're gay out. Because <laughs> I'm not bothered and I'm not surprised. No, I'm not. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out, I'm out of Nick. Oh, I didn't know you'd been in. You mean you haven't missed me? It's been three years. Three years is nothing when you're having fun. Nick's no fun. I'm talking about me. So you've been having fun? I'm still living here. What do you think? So... So what? Are you going to invite me in? Why? Why? Have you got a warrant? I've come to see you and the kids. <laughs> That's a first. You're not going to kill yourself off, are you? No. Are you sure? Because I don't want the police coming round here after they find your body and them saying it was my fault. Look, I wasn't planning to kill myself, but the way things are going, I'm probably thinking about it now. Oh, God, like, that is it. You best come in then, but don't nick anything. I know you. I don't do that anymore. How many times have I heard you say that? Jacko, I know you. You can't bloody help yourself. This time I mean it. And pigs might fly. You haven't tied it up then. Me and the kids, we like the place. Oh, natural. Besides, we weren't expecting company. You want to see the place when social services come? Immaculate. Yeah, I bet. I'm not making the effort just to please you. It's what me and the kids like. You don't count. I never did. And you never will. Now, what brings you back? I hope you're not after money because I've gotten on. As a matter of fact, you owe me. What for? Well, apart from child support, the trauma, what I've been through with these three kids of yours. Three kids? There was only one when I went away. Aye, uh, but you're forgetting the conjugal visits. I never had no conjugal visits. <clears throat> no, but I did. I needed support when you weren't around. The only support you ever needed was when you were too pissed to walk home. <laughs> that was rich coming from you. You're no better than the rest of them round here. Just another deadbeat dad using me as a sexual plaything. This estate is full of fellas like you. I'm a victim. Look, I'm sorry, but I'm a changed man now. I'll make it up to you. You haven't found God, have you? I've just cemented the error of me ways, that's all. Oh, I see. Gone all touchy-feely then. I just want to be good from now on. Jacko, a word of advice. Nobody likes a do-gooder. Not around here. It's not natural. Nothing wrong with wanting to be a better person. Well, don't be sprouting any of your goody-goody mumbo-jumbo to the kids. They've been warned to stay away from weirdos who say this kind of stuff. How are the kids? Which ones? Start with mine first, eh? They're all good, thank you. And behaving themselves? What do you care? I'm the dad, he said. Well, at least one of them's mine. Ah, well, nothing's been proved on that. Can I see him? 
What for? It's what dads are supposed to do. Say, Zoo. Bob. Who's Bob when he's at home? My mentor. Is that like your boyfriend? No. He's like my teacher. What, he's like an old dog teaching you new tricks? He's trying to get me straight. So you were gay then? No, not that straight. So you're still gay? I'm not gay. You always was a little bit gay when we were together. No, I wasn't. <laughs> Bent as a nine-bob note, my mum used to say. How is she, mum? Dead. Oh, no. How did that happen? TV licence bloke was the last straw. Did she kill herself? No. She got fed up of being chased by the Social Security for fraud. So she bought herself a life vest from the charity shop, took herself off to the ship canal, threw herself in and pretended she were one of them illegal immigrants and claimed asylum. But she's she's not. Aye, but they don't know that. All them do-gooders falling over themselves to give her a better life. Never seen her so happy. Got a lovely little place out in the country. All for now. Bugger. You want to try it? Changed her life. She's learning Albanian. At least someone's happy. So where are you living now? I'm not. My mum's chucked me out. Oh, I see. So that's why you're here then? Because there's no room at this inn? It'll only be for a night, till I can go and see Bob. Your boyfriend? He's not my boyfriend. Is he just using you then? Like as a sex slave? He's not using me at all. He's helping me. Look, if you want my advice, stay gay. But I'm not gay. There's nothing to be ashamed of, you know. i got nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> Good, because being straight gets you nowhere these days. What do you mean? Well, a lot's changed since you went inside. These days, being a little bit gay, you know, the other way, it helps. With what? Where do I start? The telly. If you want to get on it, you tell him you're partial to a bit of... Uh, actually, I'm, I'm I'm thinking of going into comedy. <laughs> oh, you're funny. Comedy, you. Don't make me laugh. What's wrong with being funny? With me being funny? Jacko, love, you'll never be funny whilst I've got a hole in my... Well, Bob said I am. Who's Bob? My mentor. I just told you. He's helping me. He said I've got talent. Everyone in Britain thinks they've got talent. Even those two feckless mum nuts who present it. He's getting me on a course. What for? To learn to be funny. Learn to be funny? You can't teach people that. Bob said he can. But you've got a job. No, I haven't. You're a thief? Not anymore. That larkin. Why? Oh, I'm too old. Thieving's a young man's game. But it was your career. You can't just walk away from something you're giving your life to. Read a love, I'm a rubbish thief. No. So why do something you're not good at? You know your problem. You didn't practice enough. The other night, I was watching a documentary about Wayne Rooney, you know, the footballer. Morning, noon and night, that little fat bastard was kicking a ball around. I don't like football. That's not the point. If you want to be good at something, you practice. Wayne did, and look at him now. Rich, famous and married to Colleen. Lovely house. And to think he was banging grannies. Yeah, I'm not into that. What? Banging grannies? <laughs> we'll all be old one day, you know. Just because we dry up doesn't mean we lose the taste.
No, football. My point is, Jacko, is that little fat scouser turned his life around. He should be a role model. Well, I will too. I'm serious about being a comedian. I'll practice, I'll get good. Come on then. Tell us a joke. I can't. What do you mean you can't? You said you wanted to be a comedian. Make me laugh. I do, but I'm not going to be telling jokes. Hang on. Last time I heard, comedians tell jokes. You know, some do. I'm going to be doing more observational stuff like... Observational stuff? Yeah, you know, like taking the piss out of people, them kind of jokes. And that's funny, is it? Taking the piss? Well, yeah. Oh, I see. So some fella comes in looking like the bloody elephant man through no fault of his own, and then you're going to take the piss out of him? No, no, I wouldn't do that. So who are you going to be taking the piss out of then? Normal people. Normal people? What the bloody hell's funny about normal people? Loads of stuff. Okay. I'm normal. Take the piss out of me. No, you're not. You're not normal. You cheeky bugger. I'm more normal than you. I don't think so. I bloody am. You're not. And why am I not? You've got a boat. So? Lots of people have got boats. Not on council estates and not when they live in a tower block. You've got it parked outside. Well, how am I supposed to get it to the 14th floor? It's an ocean going yacht. Jacko, what's your point? Is that normal? It was a gift from me dad. What's your dad doing with a bull? He won it on Bullseye. It was Bully's star prize and he left it to me in his will. Is your dad dead too? No, he's on witness protection. He had to get himself a new identity. Why? What happened? He's where people smuggling. Your dad is... what was a people smuggler? Don't sound so surprised. My dad's got a talent for crime and darts. He saw an opportunity and he took it. As a people smuggling? No, on bullseye. Funny story, actually. What happened was, after he won the boat, he was going to sell it, you know. Then he had this brainwave. He was going to use his boat, go people smuggling from France? No, the Isle of Man. People smuggling from the Isle of Man? Aye, ingenious. You know, bringing tourists back and fro to the mainland. He was undercutting the big ferry companies. In the end, he was doing so well, they had to get a contract out on him. And he said... I never heard about that. Well, you won't, would you? This bloody government, secrets they keep from us. It's all run by the glitteratis, you know. Them buggers in Parliament are up to the next in it. And we don't know anything about it. The glitterati? Never heard of them. It's a secret society. Google it. You mean the Illuminati? Who? The Illuminati. They're trying to create a new world order. Oh, that bollocks. I'm not bothered about them. No, over here it's the Glitterati, the gay mafia. They're trying to take over the country. Oh yeah, before we know it, we'll have Ryland as our Prime Minister and the likes of Alan Carr and Julian Clary negotiating Brexit. It's all part of the plan. And you know this how? Me dad. He got drunk with a drag act in Hollyhead. It was one night and his, one of his runs and olden me balls he was. Your dad's... Was holding your testicles since when have you had bolt? No, that was the fella. Him. 
whatever it is, that was their name. So you're right, soft lad. The drag act, Holden Me Balls. He was very weak, like my father. Didn't take much to make him succumb to temptation. One night, and a bottle of duty free creme de menthe, and he turned him. Your dad's gay. Oh, yeah. Want the same after that night. I don't know what got into him. Sounds like it was holding me balls. After that, he was forever coming round here nicking me stuff. Honestly, I had a brand new pair of fake Jimmy Chews from the market, odd sizes, but you never knew once you had them on. Bloody gone. And I know it were him. I saw him there trolling around the Arndale. Well, you said he were dead. He said he wants to go off grid for a bit. Embrace his new lifestyle. He's living under an assumed name with his partner, holding over on Moss side. And he left you the boat. Said he wanted it to be official. Made out he'd drowned at sea. It's a bit desperate, that. Mm, my dad's always been a desperate man. Acts on impulse, he does. I'll never forget when he came round here and told me his plans. It was the night he stole my Jimmy Choo's, a thieving bastard. Go on then, what happened? Oh, yeah. So he says, free to love, I'm going to fake my own death. I'm leaving you everything so it looks like I'm gone. I thought, ooh, everything. Turns out his idea of everything is half a dozen of life jackets and a bloody boat. And then he says, all I ask of you is one thing. When I die, proper die that is, and I will, but just not yet, all I ask is you give me a Viking funeral. What's one of them? Says he wants us to put his dead body on the boat, sail it out into the ocean and set fire to it. Says when he's dead, he wants his spirit to be able to roam free. An afterlife on the ocean wave, he calls it. Always was a bit spiritual, you old man. Where did he get that idea from? Said he saw it in a film once with Tony Curtis. Said he always fancied going that way. So is that what you're going to do? I'm not shy. I'll get a couple of lads to push the boat into the canal, douse it with petrol and then we can claim it on the insurance. Sounds like a plan. More or less what he wanted. You know, until you do, you know, burn the boat. Is there any chance I can live on it? My boat? I'll look after it. I'll even move it to the canal so you won't, you won't have to bother paying the lads when your dad pops off. Mm, I don't know. I don't want Bob of yours taking advantage. Bob wouldn't do that. Jacko, I know you. It won't take much to have you back to your prison ways. What prison ways? You know, the funny business. I know what goes on. I don't know what you're talking about. Jacko. Everyone knows what happens when you drop the soap. Please, Frida, I need this. I'll look after it, I promise. I, I need somewhere to live and, and so I can practice. Practice what? Me stand up. It'll take more than practice to make you funny. Please, Frida, I'm trying to go straight. I can't go back in the nick. And what about your mates? What mates? The ones in the nick. They'll miss you. I'm not going back in nick. Thought you liked it. What makes you say that? Oh, you kept going back. I thought it was your second home. No, not anymore. That lives in the past. I'm going straight. I'm going to be a comedian. Oh, Jacko, you are funny. That's what my mum and dad said. No, I mean, they mean you're funny, funny, not like funny, ha ha, funny. 
But with a bit of practice, I could be good. Jacko, you get up on that stage and people will be laughing at you. That's the idea. Well, if you want to make a laughing stock of yourself, it's up to you. So can I borrow your belt? On one condition. Get us a couple of bottles of red and none of the cheap shite. Ah, I've got no money. Since when's has no money stop you? I told you I've changed. I don't nick stuff anymore. I thought you were joking. No, I mean it. Now that's not funny. Jacko, love, think of it as a means to an end. You're not stealing, you're helping a damsel in distress. Reader, love, I don't do that anymore. Well, in that case, you don't live on a boat either. Screw top, do you? <laughs> Aye, that'll do. And you might as well nick us some nuts whilst you're at it. In for a penny, eh, Jacko? Aye, in for a penny. This has been a Pampas Play production.